This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio by Evan Grant. Hi, Evan. Hi. I was here early today. <laughs> yeah, you were in, You were here, but you were out gallivanting around the newsroom, uh, playing the bon vivant, as you are wont to do. I am that. I'm very bond. Yeah. And so then joining us uh, from the star, I'm, I'm guessing, is our old David Moore. Hi, David. How are you? I'm in the library at the Star after uh, working my way through security to get here. So, yes. You had to work your way through security? On site. Usually the security there is pretty much somebody opens the door for you and you walk in. <laughs> well, I didn't say the level of security or the scrutiny. That... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's big time out there. Jerry will let in anybody. Uh, he left in me, so what the heck. Um, he just didn't talk to you. He let yeah, you in. Yeah, that's true. So, so David... Uh, um, uh, what's going on out there with those Cowboys? Is Dak Prescott going to play in this game uh, against the Eagles or not? Well, I, I thought the most drastic example of why he would not play was Zach Barton, who said you would have to kill him in order for him not to play on Sunday. Uh, that seems a little extreme to me, but yeah. that's uh, probably probably where the needle is. I mean, no one I've spoken to uh equivocates whatsoever that this will keep him out now i think i think the issue would be my belief is you know he didn't throw yesterday and i would be shocked if he throws today so basically your two key days of preparation and what you put in for the game uh he's not going to throw any of those patterns now he knows what they are um he's thrown them before uh they're not it's not like they're installing something he's never seen before into this game but um you know that from what I can tell, my belief would be they, if he throws it all today, it would be extremely limited. I, I get the impression that they feel the best thing for him to do is not throw here for two, three uh, days. And, of course, he didn't do anything on Monday or Tuesday either, so now this would be the fourth day. And then maybe do some light throwing on uh, Friday and Saturday leading up to the game. So, the, to me, the only issue would be that uh, you don't go through your normal practice routine, but... But I don't know that, that resting your throwing arm and shoulder is particularly a bad thing at this point of the season either. So here's the here's the deal, David. It seems to me all all of us are writing that, well, he shouldn't be throwing the ball anyway. He should be turning around and handing it off to Zeke Elliott or Tony Pollard, and that's the way the Cowboys win is if they run the ball. I'm, I mean, that, that's, just, that's what we've all decided all of a sudden, isn't it? Well, I would argue they win – when they run the ball effectively. Um, you know, there have been times this season where uh, against seven-man boxes, they haven't been able to run effectively. 
And, and this, to me, goes back to what we've talked about all season. I, I think this offense has, has been an offense in transition for most of the season, and it, it's been trying to find, okay, when do we want run, when do we pass? And, and too often, to me, when they've been – when they've done one well, it's come at the expense of the other. It's not like both of them prop each other up. Uh, when they've been able to run well, they haven't been able to pass well and, and capitalize on the defensive looks they're getting after that. Uh, for that example, I'll go back to the Chicago game, where Ezekiel Elliott was very effective running the ball early, but you looked up at the end of the half, and what did you have? You had Dak Prescott throwing for 60 yards. Uh, you look up at the end of the... Uh, with two plays left in the third quarter, and Dak Prescott had gone four of fourteen for thirty-four yards over a quarter and a half of football. So uh, then, what happened? You abandoned the run game, and they passed effectively in the fourth, and he winds up throwing for more than three hundred yards. Uh, to me, too often this year, that's the look the offense has taken. Um, but in the in the game against the Rams, you saw uh, the the run game. Uh, create some things down the field in the play action, and, and the Cowboys capitalized on it, and they were able to do it in concert rather than one coming at the expense of the other. So, look, they, they can run the ball and they can pass the ball. To me, the issue has always been that they've been able uh, to do that in concert and do it efficiently within the flow of the game, and you saw them do that against the Rams. So, David, I wanted to say that I was being facetious uh, with my question, and I appreciate your answer. Oh, I know you were. Yeah, because that's, yeah, the, I know you were. that's the issue here is the uh, so much in the media, uh, we, we look Are like. You gonna, you're going to become a media critic? I am, a critic? little bit. Just on this. A critic? We look a little bit like idiots. We, we We ping back and forth. If they if they run the ball and win, then we then we write that, oh, see, this is what they have to do. And, and meanwhile – you know, Scott Linehan got run out of Dallas because that's all he wanted to do was was run the ball, uh, and and we all said what a what a terrible philosophy that was, and that they needed to be more balanced. So yes, I, I agree. And 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 besides all the things that you just laid out, certainly it helps the defense when the Cowboys control the clock, and you know they they keep the defense off the field. Those guys are fresher. You know they play with a lot of effort. They're they're a smaller group. Uh, you know they get worn down. Blah 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 blah, and and not, those are all those are all true things. Uh, but uh, I, for me, the issue with the offense has always been: can you just not adjust to the situation? Can if if a, if they're coming out there and they're loading the box on you, then let's just not bang our heads into the wall here. Let, let's throw the ball, loosen things up, and then we'll run the ball. Exactly. You know, but we we've yeah. talked about this before, over and over. They they focus on preparation and they and and they are they adhere to the preparation believing that they have accounted for all the contingencies and that their whatever scripted uh or loosely scripted game plan is is what to adhere to uh and and will win out in the end and and i think that um as we've talked about this on on many occasions that i think is the thing that does most infuriate fans is that everything does scream, make an adjustment here, do something a little bit different, uh, show a different look, and they don't. And and that's I think that at this point in time, after 10 years, that is what comes with the Jason Garrett offense is yeah, we're going to, we're going to prepare well. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to pour all our effort into that, 
and then we're going to stick to it. We we and there's something admirable about that, right? That you believe in what your plan is. There's also something incredibly frustrating that you have to accept the human element that sometimes your plan is going to need to be tweaked. Yeah, it's, it's, it's admirable, and it's to be lauded when you're winning, right? Yeah, when it's working. When it's not, it's just a, a stubborn uh, refusal uh, to do what you need to do. Correct. And, and again, you're you're exactly right. I mean, and, and I will argue they do adapt in game. The issue is they usually adapt about a quarter or a quarter and a half after it's evident that their plan is not working. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and so so that's the thing. I mean, you would. Look, you know, you know that was as good as the offense looked last week. No um, question. And that was the the season low in pass attempts for Dak Prescott at twenty three. Uh, they ran two times for every one time they passed it. Uh, but again, that's what true balance is about. If you go into a game and you're running the ball, run. But if you have to go into the game and throw the ball, you throw the ball. And you true balance is you can do you can do two to one on either ratio and be effective. And I really believe this team is built to do that, but they they've still been hesitant. It's like they dip their toe in the water of doing that, but they won't go all in. And uh, they'll go all in running, but but they seem hesitant to go all in passing it, and they seem drawn back to the run game. Now, I I do understand it from the standpoint that you want this defense on the field as little as possible. Uh, now they were outstanding last week. The question is, can they do that back to back weeks? If you look over the course of this season, I will say I would say the defense hasn't had two strong back-to-back games since week three and four against Miami and New Orleans. Uh, that's a pretty long period, so um, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, this weekend. But you know that's the other reason to do it, like you say, just to keep the defense that undersized, quick uh, defense off the field from getting worn down. And the, the formula worked last week, but what was that formula? That was a throwback formula to what we'd seen, by and large, over the previous three seasons. You know, yeah, the- and to, just to go back, you know, I know the game here against Philadelphia was a blowout, but I was just yes. looking back at at the offensive numbers, the offensive numbers here, and you had uh, Dak had twenty seven passing attempts in that game. It was twenty one to twenty seven. Um, Zeke himself had 22 rushing attempts, uh, and and there were there were another 14 rushing attempts. So so you know the run pass ratio was about 60 uh, 40. Mm-hmm. You know, and the defense jumped out in that game and forced turnovers on Philly's first two possessions, mm-hmm. and then converted them. So they jumped to a 14-0 lead, which allowed you to to play in that style. Uh, too often they've been playing from behind. And, and that doesn't mean you can't run, but I would say they've abandoned the run a little quicker than they should uh, in, in a lot of these games. So we'll we'll see. There, there's uh, they just have a like I said, it, they can do these, but they don't seem to accept who they are offensively yet. And, and you wonder if last week it all came into focus for them. Well, that'd be a long time of getting in focus. Uh, yeah, but that's all. It doesn't matter in the NFL, right? Well, I mean, the one thing that matters is you put up seven and seven. It, it, well, in this division, <laughs> well, but you could have, you could, you could have improved your playoff standing. Yeah, absolutely. That's I mean, you you're do. right now looking at a, a a home game against San Francisco, which is not an attractive option. No, 
Uh, let me say this about uh, the Eagles. I, I, I find the Eagles fascinating in, in the reaction to it because, you know, you, we get a little bit uh, micro-focused on the Cowboys here and what they're doing uh, and what's going to happen to Jason Garrett. If Doug Peterson had not won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago, which is a pretty good thing to have on your resume. It's a good thing. And, which is, and it's one of the reasons when people always ask me, how come the, the Rangers don't fire John Daniels? I always say, well, he, he did build two World Series teams pretty much from scratch. So, you know, I give him a little grace for that. Um, but the Eagles were considered by all the pundits going into this season a Super Bowl team. This was one of the five best teams in the NFL. Uh, they have had a horrible season. Now, I know that they've had a lot of injuries, and they've had injuries to their receiving core. But some of these things, and I've always and I've touted Howie Roseman for all the moves he's made in the past and how, how smart and how quick he is to react and to add personnel. But some of this has laid at his feet. He's done a bad job of, of uh, providing, you know, I, I thought Deshaun Jackson was a great add because of his speed element. But he's also a guy who's a little, he's older and a guy who's a little more injury prone. Uh, and once he went down, there went their uh, their deep threat. They had nothing left uh, for uh, for Carson well, Wentz. But how much of it is the receivers and that that are available? And how much of it is regression of Carson Wentz? Well, I think I think we we're seeing a couple of things here, and I think it's a great topic because first of all, as good as Carson Wentz can look, he's such a great athlete, uh, really can spin it. I mean, he throws a great ball. Um, but even in the good days. He's constantly throwing the balls to his tight ends. He's he's just transfixed with them. Where he's he's not using his wide receivers at all. Caused a little bit of a chemistry problem in the locker room, in fact, because mm-hmm. of that. Uh, and then and so the Eagles go out and double down by getting Dallas Goddard, uh, you know, that, jumping in front of the Cowboys and taking him in the draft. And then, and they both been Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard are both terrific. Uh, but you got to have more than that. Right. And then and as you pointed out, uh, for all the people who want to say, oh, that Carson Wentz was better, and I, I get that from a lot of Eagles fans who would write me as well, uh, is that, you know, there's no question that at this point that Dak Prescott is a better quarterback than Dallas, than Carson Wentz, uh, if you ask me. Uh, I, yeah, I, I am, and I, I, don't, I think it's more of a rhetorical question at this point in time. I don't think there's, you know, uh, the, I, there's not really any point of discussion, just like, there wasn't any point of discussion for me after watching the game last week. I, I, Jared Goff did nothing but throw the ball into the ground or behind his receivers all day long. His accuracy was horrible. Uh, Zach, Zach, Dak still makes that's that combination of Zeke and Dak. Zach. I also occasionally will drop a Deke too. Um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, even when when Dak is. Uh, inaccurate he's got that ability to make plays he does have the ability to to roll out to run a little bit um to make some things happen to evade a pass rush i mean golf just golf looked horrible and i have not seen carson wentz look very good in the handful of games i've watched him this year david let me ask you this about the the pro bowl thing because i was i was a little I don't want to say shocked, uh, but uh, certainly if you read the national reaction, and, and as I said about the micro focus here, uh, I, you know, fans are still very split on Dak and how good he is. And, and I'm reading stuff, you know, from this last game. That, see, this is why uh, you need to give the ball to Zeke because Dak's just not that kind of quarterback. Where if you look at the, at the national reaction to the Pro Bowl voting, um, 
the number one snub listed by most people was Dak Prescott. Uh, it, it seems to me that Dak has a better national reputation than he does locally. Well, I, I think this year he's helped his national perception quite a bit because he's doing what all of the critics said he couldn't do. Um, I mean, his numbers are, are so over the top um, that, that it's forced people to reassess their view of him and what he can do and the player he can become. Um, I, you know, I, I say you, you use the word micro-focus. I would say when you're micro-focused, you may accept that and you agree with it, but when you watch every single play, every single bad play fits into your initial impression of a, of a player. Yeah. And so... That's a great point. Um, now, you know, I think... So even though he's throwing the ball downfield... Uh, one of the biggest criticisms of him, um, and he's doing it at a rate that puts him at the top or in the top two to three quarterbacks in the league as far as down-the-field completion percentage. uh, Average per attempt is up there. Uh, Even though he has rewritten that narrative, if you have believed for the last three years he he throws a a below-average deep ball, every time that happens or he misses, that carries more weight with you than the two you just saw him complete. So I, I think there, I think that's true in every market. I, I think that uh, the, the impression or the initial impression people have of a player is just it, it, it takes more time to erode it because they're still going to see negative examples that support uh, their perception. But, you know, look, I, I, I really don't have a – I guess if I had a problem, I mean, I, I, I was surprised Dak wasn't one of the three quarterbacks. What surprises me is that, that Drew Brees, who missed four and a half games, is there. Right. Not because Drew Brees doesn't deserve it, but when you miss that significant of a percentage of the season, I would say that in and of itself should disqualify you on the initial vote. But if you just want to step back and say, I mean, look at the – the games Breeze has had since he's been back. Uh, they've been every bit as impactful as uh, Dak Prescott. So, and, and the other thing, too, here is, look, he's a quarterback of a 7-7 seven and seven team. You can rave all you want about these numbers. It's not like Mahomes last year was doing this and, and the team was going 13-3 and three in Kansas City. Uh, you know, people are saying, well, what has Aaron Rodgers done this year? This is the same Aaron Rodgers. Well, what, they've won 11 games to this point. And I think he has 24 touchdowns and two interceptions. So why shouldn't he be ahead of Dak Prescott? Uh, the team's better. Uh, he's thrown many fewer interceptions into the quarterback ratings. So, I mean, uh, look, Dak's right there. My anticipation would be that Dak will wind up being a Pro Bowl quarterback. Um, but I've got to think he's the first alternative. And, and I don't think it's a, a tremendous snub like a, a lot of people seem to believe. Yeah, I'm not saying it is either. I just think that it's, uh, you know, it's like all-star voting. Everybody gets voted for their career, not for the season they're having. And then there's certainly uh, part of that is is, is okay. I mean, in in baseball, you got to have that because are you going to vote this guy to an all-star team because he had a great half season? That, that's kind of crazy. Sure. Uh, well, but, the other side, and then to me, this is the fascinating thing about that because the other side of, you know, when, when you're pro bowl early in his career, uh, it was like, well, look, he just got there because of the record. I mean, everyone knows Elliot got him there. What did he do? 
Right. <laughs> you know, so it's exactly. Kinda, uh, so when he gets it, it's like, ah, oh, what did he do? Now when he doesn't get it, it's like, oh my gosh, what an oversight. So yeah. it's, uh, which, which kind of describes, I think, pretty well just where he is and, and what the perceptions and the narratives are about him. I will say this. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, we have always been uh, fixated on the offense here. We're a little bit like Jerry. You know, we're, we're fixated on what the offense does. And, and, uh, and, and speaking of Pro Bowl, that's where all the, uh, the, the Cowboys' four picks were all on offense, uh, three offensive linemen and Zeke. Um, I think that's probably a little bit more of a, based on reputation than anything else. Uh, I, I think that uh, uh, those guys have – have uh, uh, last week they they looked like it. But last week they looked like the the offensive line that uh, that the Cowboys have invested in and uh, and talked about and and that's been hyped for all these years. Uh, but and that's and that's the crazy thing to me when when that game I'm, I'm reading my Twitter feed and people are talking about Zeke Elliott in this game to see this is what you got to do and it's like no it's not you don't have to give the ball to Zeke Elliott you just have to run it. Because what, what did Tony Pollard do when he got the ball? But I, w- I would just interrupt you for a second. Go right because, ahead. You, because you mentioned uh, the Pro Bowl and you mentioned reputation. Yeah. And, and I think that if you just go back and look at a head-to-head comp on Zach. On, there we go. On Dak and uh, Aaron Rodgers this year. Yeah. Uh, maybe you want to make a case that he only threw two interceptions on Aaron Rodgers. But Dak stacks up better, in my mind. Than, than than Aaron Rodgers. Does. I think his quarterback rating is much higher, actually. Uh, no, no da- the, the, Aaron Rodgers' the quarterback is. rating is a hundred point four. Dak is ninety nine point three. Okay. So in my mind, well, there's, there's different quarterback ratings, but what's that? There are different quarterback ratings. Uh, I, so. I'm just using the ESPN. Okay. Uh, so in my mind, they're basically identical. If you know, the the one question that I had lingering was, you know, was where was Jimmy Garoppolo in that conversation? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sure. And the other thing that happened here, But Dax had a, a thousand the more passing right at the end. I'm sorry, David, yeah, what did you the say? The players were voting at the end, and what happened? They were voting when Dak was the, in the mired in a three-game yeah, losing streak. Yep, yeah, good point. True. And, uh, you know, didn't do anything in New England. Now, a lot of that was the conditions. But, uh, but had a really poor game against Chicago. Uh, didn't look good against Buffalo. That's when most of the players were casting their ballots and turning them in. But I think, as you say, there's there's a lot. Reputation factors in a lot because clearly Breeze is here. Yeah. He's got a great quarterback rating for when he's played. He's played really, really well when he's played, but he missed more than a quarter of the season. Well, Breeze, Breeze and Aaron Rodgers are two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Yep. And, uh, if you, if so. you, and if you look at the NFC quarterbacks, won a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl. If you look at the AFC quarterbacks – it's upside, upside, upside. It's Deshaun yeah. Watson, yeah. Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And, and and so one league There's no Tom Brady in that bunch. There's no Tom Brady in that bunch. One, one conference seems voted all on reputation. Yeah. One conference voted entirely on, on exciting upside players. Yeah, it's interesting. But I want to flip over now to the defensive side. Uh and, and the thing to me, you know, besides the fact that they weren't on the field very much, the true difference maker in that game for me was Antoine Woods. Uh, so is he almost as valuable to you on the, on that defensive line as Demarcus Lawrence, David? Uh, no, I mean I, I think again Lawrence doesn't have the sack numbers, but uh, I think Lawrence has had a really solid, uh, just short of impactful season. I, I think I think Lawrence has been week in and week out uh, the best defender on a disappointing defense. 
and so, you know, even guys who got off to a fast start like Quinn, I think he's really tailed off here. I think I think Byron Jones and uh, uh, Demarcus Lawrence have been the best defenders over the course of the season. The problem is they're not making plays, and uh, that you know, so it's very noticeable when the, when this thing is sinking on that side of the ball. Now, I, I will say Woods had a tremendous impact in that game. Um, you know, Woods, you know, the, the Cowboys' defensive line and linebackers were horrible in that playoff game. Uh, the Rams just ran all over them. And, uh, you know, Woods is best against the run. He had missed a couple of games. Uh, he actually spoke yesterday, and he talked, you know, he also had a recent arrest for uh, possession of marijuana in his car here in Frisco. And uh, he said that arrest and, and being out, he used all of that to kind of fuel him. He is a guy who plays with a chip on his shoulder. Um, but uh, he was very impactful in that game. But, you know, this defense wasn't playing that well early in the season when he was in there. Uh, True. So he needs to show he can come back and, and do it consistently. And, again, he's also an undersized guy that gets beaten down. Now he's fresh now. Uh, he's coming off of a good game. I would expect him to have another good game in Philadelphia. And he really helps that, that run defense. But to me, I, I think just as much as, as the impact that – um, Antoine Woods have, I, I would give a greater impact to Sean Lee on what he did in that game, and not just from his performance, but from getting making sure the defense was in the right spot, recognizing what they were doing offensively, um, making the defensive calls. You know, I, I think that's one thing you've seen this year. You know, Leighton Vander Esch is playing when he's able to be on the field, is playing at a higher level now. Uh, than Sean Lee. Uh, I think Sean Lee will be one of the first people to tell you that as well. But Leighton Vander Esch doesn't cover up as many mistakes defensively as I believe Sean Lee does. And uh, I, I think you saw some of that well, in that Rams game. Now, again, the question with Lee is that was such an outstanding game for him uh, at his age and, and with his health. You know, he had to get a quarterstone shot for his uh, quad and pelvic injury just to be able to play in that game. And he has a pectoral strain which is redu- in one arm, which is reducing his strength in one arm. So he's a, he's, a, he's a one-armed linebacker right now who needs a cortisone shot just to get on the field. So you know, I don't think you can expect that level of performance again in the Philadelphia game. But as far as getting everyone in their spots and keeping them disciplined to where they – have a chance to make the play as a unit. Um, I, I think he's the best suited player on this team right now to do that. Who I I have a question about the defense. Go ahead. What is what is the general perception? Has has the Michael Bennett trade been an impact making decision or oh, not? Sure, absolutely. You feel, you feel that way? He's a good player. I wish he'd stay on sides. Yeah. I wish he would line up on side and stay there. Uh, it's unbelievable. The number of times he's been called, every single game he's been called for offsides or lining up offsides, which are two of the dumbest penalties in football. Having said that... I think it's six he, so far. I yeah. think it's six penalties. It's, it's so un- far. unbelievable. Yeah. But he's a very impactful player. He has I, been I impactful think he's, on the I think he's been terrific. It's not been negated by the number of offside penalties. And again, no. this is... 
This no. is, you know, this is the when David talks about he's their bias. best pressure player. He's been their best pressure player since he's been here. And and the other thing that's good for that for what they do is is, is becoming from the inside. Uh, uh, absolutely. They haven't had a consistent presence inside, and so he actually, since he's been here, I believe he has four sacks, which is uh, the, the most over that span. I think that for me, uh, and David, you would notice. I don't know off the top of my head. I don't know what his contract situation is. Is it, was he on a one year deal? Yeah, he's he's a free agent at the end of this year. Robert Quinn's a free agent at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Malik Collins is a free agent at the end of this year. So this Cowboys defensive line uh, can can look quite a bit different going into next year. Yeah, if, if, I th- I got to tell you uh, now. Quinn was Quinn has kind of tailed off a little bit. He had a really fast start. Um, uh, that's going to be a tough one because if I got to rate those three, I, I got Malik Collins third for sure, and the other two uh, because of the fact that that Michael Bennett generates pressure from the inside, which is so hard to do. Um, I'm wondering if he might not be more valuable than Robert Quinn. Well, you can't let all three go. No, in my mind. absolutely or, or, or not. Your defensive line is really back to a, a position where you were five or six years ago where you're just churning through guys hoping to find bodies to plug in there. Uh, so they can't do that. But the other part of that is I don't know, even know if, if we can talk cogently about that now because we don't know who the coaching staff is going to be <laughs> yeah, what they're going to want. That's a good point. I had thought about that. Uh, listen, I want to bring up something about Demarcus Lawrence and what you said, and I agree with you 100% uh, about him and his play. One of the things that – and I know this is going to sound silly, but what I've always noticed about Demarcus Lawrence, um, when he tackles somebody in the backfield, if you'll notice, he is always grabbing them around the ankles. He is always he has he, he has tremendous hands and he goes down low and and, the, and that's why these guys go down so easily and I, I think it's one of the things that that in in tackling people that what people don't understand is is that if you're a, it doesn't matter how fast you are or how big and powerful you are if you tackle somebody that low they're going down and they're going to go down immediately so Demarcus is a tremendous his his technique is 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 spectacular but having said that it, it, oh go ahead. Yeah. No, no, it really is, and, and and Ron Marinelli talks about that all the time about his 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 technique and his hand fighting, but also how strong his hands are, and what an asset that is for him. And um, look, I, I know the sacks haven't been there, and he and he hasn't had the impact that he's had the last two years, but that doesn't mean he's playing poorly. I mean, he uh, watch him out there. He he is still in my mind easily their best defensive player. Yes. Uh, like I said, the, the only guy who's been close this year is, is Byron Jones, and uh, w- which I think is why. You, but, but look, it, this tells you a lot about where the defense is, though, too. If you go through on the defensive side of the ball, I was doing this with people the other day, uh, as good as I believe he's been, even though the sack numbers don't reflect it, you have to concede that Demarcus Lawrence has not lived up to expectations this year because the sack numbers aren't there. Now, that doesn't mean he's as bad as a lot of people like to say he's been. I think he's been very good, but he hasn't been as impactful. So now you go through every player on the defensive side of the ball and ask the question, is that player individually playing to the level or exceeding the level that he played last year for the Cowboys? 
And I don't think you can find anyone on the defensive side of the ball that has exceeded the level they played last year for the Cowboys. I would argue the closest that you have is Byron Jones, who is playing pretty close to the level that he played last year when he was a Pro Bowl corner. After that, everyone else has played at a level below what they did last year for the Cowboys. So I think that explains why this defense is in the position it's in. So who do we blame for that? I mean, you know, what are the chances that everybody regresses at once? Uh, that that to me sounds like coaching, and and, uh, and I, I'm not saying well, the players. An element in it, sure. I, I'm yeah. not saying the players don't own up to this. I was my second part of the Demarcus Lawrence thing was last week. I loved it when he said, "Oh, because of all this BS in the media about uh, uh, turnovers, and that's why." Uh, yeah, that's why we were pressing yeah. and getting out of our discipline. Yeah, it's, a, it's the, first, the first time that we've ever been <laughs> accused of coaching and that the players are being coached by us instead of their own coaches. If, if that's the problem, if those guys are reading what we're writing and then reacting to that in games, the Cowboys have got big problems, right? That was a ridiculous thing to say. But I will say this. I do think that, yes, I, there are times when you watch the Cowboys when they really were struggling. It wasn't so much – yeah, they were going for strips and things like that. I get all that, uh, which is always a dangerous thing. And a guy running down the open field, and you're instead of tackling him, you're trying to you know to take the ball away. Uh, you, you do that when you've wrapped him up. Somebody's wrapped him up, and then that's when you go in for the strip. Uh, but there were just so many times where guys were not breaking down. Guys were just were were when that when they're flowing to the ball, they're overrunning the ball, and and then uh, and then guys are cutting back on them, and they just look terrible. Uh, they were just yeah, I don't I don't know that those technique. nineteen missed tackles against Chicago were all nineteen examples of them going for turnovers that that went against them because of media pressure. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. I, I just want somebody to own up to it, and I think that Sean Lee did immediately after the game Sunday. He that was the first thing he said was that you know when he was being interviewed on television, you know the last two weeks were just unacceptable. We just did a terrible job. I did a bad job. And, uh, and, and, of course, that's yeah, who he said we were at the risk of losing the identity that we spent the last five years building. Yes. And, yeah. and that's true. Absolutely. You know? And, he's, and of course, he's always been an accountable guy. I, and, I think you and, guys and are selling yourself that. short on the amount of pressure you can apply. <laughs> yeah, all right. To players? Yes. Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I think that, that, that uh, I don't know what's going on in that locker room. Or I don't know what's going on on the practice fields. I don't know what's being emphasized and what's not being emphasized. It, it, it hasn't worked this year. I don't know if there's a chemistry problem between Rod Marinelli and Chris Richard, that there is, if there's a division there and people feeling like they're more loyal to one over the other, or if the concepts that they're using, the schemes that they're using are outdated and teams are, are able to exploit those things now. I just know, and I'll add one more thing, is that what, what Troy Aikman said uh, on a broadcast was that the Cowboys' uh, defensive look is very simplistic. It's not hard to figure out what they're doing or what they're bringing, and they're simply relying on their athleticism and their ability to execute this defense to beat you. So uh, if those are all, I will certainly defer to Troy on, on that uh, on that point. Uh, in, in my mind, well, again, there's something that, to matter. That, that's a great question. Okay, do you blame coaching for keeping it so simplistic, or do you blame the players because the players know it's going to be simplistic and it's all about execution and, and them living up to their standards for themselves? So that's where... I think that's where you're a little bit of loggerheads here as far as you try to 
uh, distinguish this, like, well, how much is coaching and how much is players? Uh, they, this scheme offensively and defensively has always been built on basically, uh, since Gary's been here, is like, look, keep this simple, let it play to the player's individual ability, and then trust the individual player to play up to or exceed expectations. And uh, you can say that's simplistic, but uh, that that has been the approach. And so I, I don't think you should um, – I think the, the performance of the players is certainly culpable in this season as well. Oh, uh, no question you know, about it, that. It's the coach who's going to be uh, – who, who's going to bear the brunt of it. But um, I, I think uh, – some players are viewed differently around here once this season ends than maybe they were going into this season. All right, we're going to wrap it up here, David, so you can go and we can go. But before we do, uh, I think since this is this is a game of some uh, importance, maybe, possibly, <laughs> um, I would like to do a little uh, prediction roundtable here um, since I never get to play in a prediction game in print. And it hurts my feelings. Um, So uh, what do you all got? David, you go first. Oh, me? Yeah, you're the only David in this group, so yes. (laughs) I'm sorry. David Stevens will be going first. (laughs) Yeah. Our guest selector. Um. Yeah, uh, this is, look, Dallas is the better team. Uh, Dallas has the historical edge. Uh, You know, they are 7-2 in Philadelphia with Jason Garrett as the head coach. They are 5-2 against Philadelphia with Prescott and Elliott. They are 5-0 against the Eagles when Elliott plays. And you just look at the division, Dallas has won 14 of the last 16 in the division. And they're 17-5 and five since the rookie seasons of Prescott and Elliott. So, historically, the edge goes to Dallas. From a talent standpoint right now, it goes to Dallas. And from a health standpoint, it goes to Dallas. Well, that should be a lot to say they win this game. I would argue the Cowboys had all three of those factors in most of their games this season, and they're sitting here at 7-7. Seven and seven. Um, You get a sense that, that can their dominance over Philadelphia continues, and you wouldn't think it would, but based on what we've seen and where these two teams are, I, I think it extends a little bit more. So I, I would say Dallas in this game along the lines of 24 to 13, 24, 16, something like that. I'm going to, I'm going to agree with uh, David a hundred percent on this. Uh, you know, somebody, you know, we invariably, if all of the, the uh, selectors pick the Cowboys to lose or all of them pick them to win and they do the opposite, everybody goes, Oh, what you, couldn't one of you guys. Well, first of all, we don't know what, what what each of us is doing when we when we make these picks. We just turn them in, and that's that. Uh, secondly, uh, I have picked the Cowboys to lose three games this year against the Patriots, the Packers, and the Rams. Oh well, look at you, Johnny Homer. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, that's what I'm saying. That's what I told this one uh, reader. I said the Cowboys owe me four wins. Uh, but the but the point is to what David said. There wasn't a game this season that the Cowboys couldn't have won or shouldn't have won, in my estimation. 
They they had even even the games that I thought they were going to lose, like the Patriots game. They had a chance to win that game. Mm-hmm. Even the the Saints game, when I which I picked them to win, and going into the season I picked them to lose. Uh, they had a chance to win that game. Mm-hmm. Now they got blown out, you know, in a, in a couple other games. But those are games that they they simply played poorly. You know, when this team plays up to its potential, that's what that game was against the Rams. That's the Cowboys at their best. That's who they could be. You know, they haven't been that team uh, except for once or twice this year, but that's who they could be. That's what the numbers say they are. You know, we, we talked about what their numbers have been all season long on offense and even their defense that we, we've talked about. It's still, you know, a top half of the league defense. It's not an, it's not an awful defense. So having said all that, they could certainly go over there to, to Philadelphia and lose this game because that's, that's what they've done all year long is disappoint. Uh, but the Eagles are terrible, terrible. Uh, and that's what I was saying earlier about Doug Peterson. Had he not won that Super Bowl, to me there's no way he, he shouldn't get fired. He may get fired anyway, uh, even having won a Super Bowl, uh, because that's Philadelphia. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, I'm going to say the, the Cowboys win this game, and I'm going to say 31-17. to 17. And I, I agree with both of you guys uh, that the Cowboys should win this game, have the better team, uh, should have ha- should have a much better record than they do now, uh, yada, yada, and yada. Uh, but here we are at 7-7, seven and seven, and I think we're at 7-7 seven and seven because the Cowboys have defied logic basically every week this season. Pretty much. Um, and, and because of that, I'm just going to go with the idea that this is going to come down to the last week of the season anyway and say that the Eagles are going to win this game because wow. they're going to put together their one game of the season, and they're going to win it uh, 24-20. I'm going to say if that happens that Jerry tells Jason not so fast getting on the plane, coming back. Ooh, I don't I, – no, I don't think so. I think he should. Well <laughs> – I think I think if he loses this game, that if there was any doubt in Jerry's mind, if he loses this game, that's that's that. I would agree, but I I mean I just you know, go ahead, David. No, I was just going to real quick. I, I got to go here, but you know, in that scenario that you laid out there, Evan, uh, Dallas would lose. One thing they have not done this year, they have not won a close game. You mm-hmm. know, this is a team in recent years that it's prided itself and. And Dak Prescott's been very good in the fourth quarter of close games, uh, of tie games, or bringing them back to win. They have not won any close games this year. And uh, that, that's, I think, uh, uh, underscores a lot about their plight as well. All right, David, we're going to let you go roll and, uh, and do your thing out there at the Star, okay? Have a good time in Philly. I'm not sure what my thing is, but I, I will deploy myself into action, whatever that action may be. Are you, are you going to get a cheesesteak while you're there? You know, I don't, I've had so many cheesesteaks throughout my life. I don't do it every trip I go. Uh, I did it a couple of years ago. It probably might be time to uh, swing back. And there you go. That a boy. I'm a, I'm a Geno's guy. Just keep that in mind. Yeah. I'm a Pat's guy. I was going to say, I'm a, I'm a Pat's guy. All right, uh, David, take care, man. Okay, talk to you all soon. Bye, David. Bye. He just faded out on us there, didn't he? Yeah, he sure did. It was kind of like that a little, fault. little wicked. That's Tommy did that. It was kind of like the, like the witch on, uh, on Wizard of Oz. I'm melting. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.